ATHT fans. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, an insider one. ATH. People referring to this. <laughs> we do. We don't deserve the acronym yet. Have we not earned the acronyms? Right. I don't know if we're there yet. <laughs> we will. Well, yes, indeed. Uh, well, welcome all the horrible things podcast fans. Here, here we are, Chris and Enan, back at you after a uh, a gap, which is. Uh, the fault of the gods. The fault of the gods. A little yeah. personal troubles over here. My poor uncle uh, was in a bad way, but he's he's back at his house. It's Everything better. seems okay at the minute. So Good. let's let's Good. move onward Good. and upward, as they say. And onward let's, and upward. Let's talk from this uh, MGM Plus show from, which I think is under everybody's radar. Uh, how did you first hear about this one? Uh, I stumbled upon it, I believe. I... <laughs> My, I think my cable provider had a free, I think at the time it was called Epics, and I was watching that Chapelweight show with right. uh, Adrian Brody, which is a Stephen King show, which is ironic because From feels like it's from the brain of Stephen King, it does. but it's not. It does. It does. Yeah. But I had gotten like a, a free preview, and I, I remember watching the trailer, and just the premise alone, I, I was hooked on the premise. Great premise. I want to talk Great about premise. what else it uh, is a lot like because I really do think it's a familiar feeling show, uh, yeah. but it, it does have a uniqueness, which I do appreciate. But yeah, yeah, it went from Epics to MGM Plus. They rebranded. Uh, I think this was a wise move. Unlike HBO yes. Max going to just Max, they should have stuck with the HBO brand, if you ask me. Much yep. more powerful than the Max part because I immediately go to Cinemax in my head and then I'm thinking... A watching Which was HBO, they owned that for exactly, a while. and that was the lesser brand. And Cinemax, right. all I think about is watching the wavy lines when there was adult themed shows on. Yes, occasional nip would pop That's up. What they called it Skinemax. Skinemax. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they called it. Not so, me. Not me. <laughs> they made a mistake going just with the Max, but I think MGM Plus is a really smart way to go because they do have a lot of properties, and I think it's just. One of those production yeah. companies that, you know, everyone thinks someone's about to buy it. Like, I know there was rumors right. of Amazon's going to buy MGM. Um, but I think yeah, it's and smart, and I'm excited about programming on MGM Plus moving forward. Yeah, so so currently I have MGM Plus through my Amazon uh, video, through my Prime. I rented it for, like, an oh, extra. Gosh. I tacked it on, and it was reasonable. It was, like, five or six bucks or something. Okay. Totally nice. worth it just to watch from. Yes. It, I mean, if you think back in the day, like going to Blockbuster and renting, uh, you'd rent one desk, give you three to four episodes for five ninety nine. you know? Right. So that right. It, when you're getting the whole season for that, it's especially season one, which we're talking about now, um, talking you about can get one. that all at once and binge it. Granted, season two we're in the middle of. So, yes, uh, you, if you do one of those things where you binge and then cancel and you might want to wait. <laughs> Three or four weeks, and then you'll have both seasons. Um, but we're talking to one. And uh, what other shows did this remind you of at, at the top? Because just to give it okay. a premise, it's this uh, you know town that loops. When you try to escape it, you can't. There's monsters that come out at night. Uh, you know, it's that small town archetype where everyone has to kind of work together to fend off forces around them that are mysterious and unknown. What, what did it remind you of? Well, I, I think... They've even said that this is from one of the producers of Lost. Shut up. So there I didn't is know a that. producer. Yeah, there is a producer, not like the main producers from Lost, but get this. 
The other main producers on this show from are the Russo brothers of Marvel fame, which is why they have such, you know, probably a quality budget. The effects look great for, for a TV show. You know, like um, I think the the monsters, if you will, look pretty good because you Absolutely. can tell it's a lot, a lot of digital effects. But what else did this remind me of? Um I think Lost really is up there. Absolutely. I have heard a lot of people compare this to Under the Dome, Stephen King's mm-hmm. series, Under the Dome. I see that. I absolutely do. Um, Under the Dome, what I remember, kind of suffered from weak characters, not the best acting as well. Uh, right. I don't remember finishing it through. I was intrigued by the concept, absolutely, and of course right. it was Stephen King. This one reminds me of Wayward Pine. Which okay. I'm not sure you watched that. I didn't. Uh, it was very similar. These people that had to stay in this like tight knit town, and there was a wall around it, and then there was all these creatures coming okay. for them on the outside that would rip you apart, eat you, sort of thing. Had an amazing twist in that one. I highly suggest it because it's the, from the guys who made Stranger Things. Uh, it was their right, Fox right, right, right. This was like their breakout. Yeah. I really, really liked it, especially season one with Matt Dillon in it. It was, it was really strong. But you're absolutely right. Lost, Under the Dome, Wayward Pines. There was another show on NBC a ways back that had a similar vibe. I can't remember the name of it, but it starred uh, the guy who's the friend in Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. can't remember his name right now. Uh, oh, anyway, sure. Well, known to all you con heads out there is Connor Roy from Succession. Yes, exactly. Which <laughs> just wrapped up and could be considered yeah. a horror itself. Seriously, um, seriously. But uh, you know, I had heard nothing but good things about Wayward Pines, and then I think I remember hearing it was canceled, and it was one of those. It was at a time where you really couldn't pull up any show that you wanted to. You know, there was right. no syndication left for this. So I, I would love to find Wayward Pines, even if it was canceled. But I, um, having compared this show from to a lot of other shows, I would say. It does have the creativity to stand on its own legs. I, I was hooked Agreed. from the the pilot. I thought it was such a unique idea and a blend of, you know, getting lost in the woods to vampires coming out at night. And I'm going to call them vampires right now. I'm going to say that that's what they are. Shape-shifting right? vampires, I guess. Uh, like almost like vampires where they all kind of have Dracula's powers in a way. Right, uh, right. Where they can go back and forth between humanoid yeah. and monster-esque. I think vampires make sense. Um, we've never seen them walk during the day or for some reason I feel Correct. like there was one instance. Am I crazy when they're walking through the woods during the day I and don't... Harold Perrineau, was that at night he couldn't? Well, that's season two. They didn't see him. Things were no, blurry. I, okay. Th- there are a number of characters on the show who have visions, and and I don't know if that's the same thing or mm, the same creatures. But okay. here's the, the the main comparison, aside from them being like, yes, nocturnal flesh eaters, they need to be uh, welcomed in. They can't just enter your Ooh, home. Ooh, that is and true. And I'd say that the talisman, which we'll get into, is kind of like a crucifix, you know? Like they, uh. it's providing a, a barrier a spiritual barrier, I don't know, but it is preventing them from accessing anything. But yes. if, if you're in a home, you have they have to be welcomed in, and they kind of prey on your your um uh, your weakness, like a vampire might seduce you. Exactly. Yes. In the case of our opener in season one, you have this uh, very 
uh, innocent young girl who's susceptible to this vampire oh, outside man. her window, who's kind of claiming to be her grandma. It's not really her yeah. grandma, but she's getting kind of confused, you know, the kid. And she opens the window, and of course, the father is drunk off his ass at the bar. Yes! <laughs> so he's not the there family, to keep man. things. <laughs> but the, the mother couldn't, <laughs> you know, wrangle her daughter, too. So needless to say, this grandpa grandma vampire gets in there, and we figure out what they do. And this is not your typical vampire uh, undoing of a human life. Uh, cause no. It, they, um, they rip you apart. And yes. then, you know, it's really interesting, yeah. though, like to, to say this about the mother and the father is that there's, I think, a good amount of people in this town who have almost gotten too comfortable and like have settled in. And like you'd still think with these monsters outside that you'd be watching your child at night at, at every moment. But the father who is drunk at the local bar, the mom right. who is leaving the child in her room. I, I think there's a really interesting thing until our main characters show up that people have almost given up on the idea of leaving this place. Absolutely. Um, and and I, we're going to talk a little bit about of the deeper meanings here. And I think that's a great instance of like it takes a village. There's really a dichotomy right. in this show of those who live in Colony House, which is this like communal setting where people share a clothes and free love. <laughs> but then you have Drugs, like the more love. nuclear family or the loners who live in their individual houses um, right. down Right down river, the town, not down river, whatever. Wait. Let me ask you really quick: Would you be a, a townie or a, a colony house? I am a independent <laughs> bastard, my man. I think uh, I would have to find a little hovel of my own. Uh, Same shanty. I don't. I don't like that idea of, of a group no. mindset where you're sharing everything. Like, yeah, you're sharing. It's like it's almost like a, a giant college dorm where you're sharing the bathrooms and the food. And like, no, 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 no. That being said. Ask me twenty years ago, my my uh, answer might have been different. You know, yeah, sure, that, sure, that plays Same. into it as well. Uh, Same really here quick, because you might get lonely. I want to, that's true. Yes, yeah. that is very true. I wanted to talk really quick about that talisman that you brought up. Um, yes, are you telling me then the vampires can't? They still have to be invited in without the talisman because no, not they, I think they can go in if there's no talisman. No. Ah, here here's what I'm basing this on is that. If it's a home, I don't think that they can enter it. If you're out in the wilderness or like trapped in the car, like we see in the pilot and that and that um that RV whatever that's tipped over, right? I I think because that's not a home, and if there's a way in, they can get in. But if you have your windows okay. and doors shut, like the little girl had to let that that vampire in in the first few minutes of the show. Otherwise, right. don't you think that that grandmother character would have just busted through the window? That's a very good point because and it's. The talisman was in the house, and yes, if you're invited yes. in, the talisman means nothing. Yes. It's got some interesting rules. I'm, I'm going to worry about the future of the show and it getting a little too convoluted yeah. and how the rules are going to uh, intercede, I guess. Um, well, yeah, right. let's, let's go with vampires, super vampires, uber vampires, sure. if you want a Buffy reference yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, another thing to, to say about them, these super vampires, is don't you think they were all people at one time in this town? Would you, and then have, have almost like they were lost their way or they were like... They... Okay, yes. I think that's very likely because it seems like we're doing with, dealing with three time periods. Essentially, present day, you're dealing with, like, I'm assuming it's the 60s when Victor was a child, right? right? And right, that seems right. to be the night-walking uber vampires that we predominantly see. Um, 
But then there's this 1864 business that pops up very rarely. They get notes in the bottle that are from 1864. And then Jade in the first season, he gets chased by the Civil War. uh, That's right. That's right. I almost forgot about that. But that being said, again, those are more like visions. And when we're dealing with just the big bad Hmm. that's focused on the most, I would say, it is these characters from the 60s who we find out in season two what happened to them, and we'll get to that in the next uh, podcast. But it is very interesting because they're all they're all very stark archetypes, right? You got yes. the milkman, you got the librarian, you got the sheriff, right. you got the bride and groom and the mechanic, and, of course, the smiley uh, Point Dexter character. Which, oh, man. Uh, He's the scariest one. (laughs) He reminds me of like the Joker before being the Joker. Yes, it's the Joker from Gotham. That that kid who's now going to be Adam Warlock. So yeah, Um, they're they're scary, and I think almost they're they're scary just walking around. I don't like how slow they are. I wish they had a little uh, pickup in their step sort of thing. Uh, It's like zombie vampire in a way, in the way that they move so slowly. Uh, Yeah. But I hear the effects, you. like you said, with the Russo brothers, when they do turn into this uh, essentially uh, cadaver eating, they eat the whole innards of you. Right. They leave your face. They don't really mess with the face that much, if right. at all. Which, much which changes them from a traditional vampire, which they're not going after your your neck or, I mean, maybe your blood still, but they're going for your bowels. Your viscera. That's, yeah. that's definitely different that's from vampires, too. It's like vampire monster, yeah. and then it, it sustains itself from <laughs> eating your entire... Uh, innards, the guts, uh, which right. is scary. That is definitely when you see these carcasses, they are uh, they're nasty looking. They're good. Yeah, they are hollowed out. Let's talk about the characters, um, because as yeah. noted in Under the Dome, one of the problems with that was like the imbalance in acting and character development. And I will say this suffers a little bit of the same problem for me. I think there might be too many characters. Granted, it is all about a town and, and having to yeah. work together as a town. I just feel like there, there are definitely some that are way stronger than others in terms of characters, in terms of performances. Um, yeah. So we should highlight, I think, the best and the worst. And the middling ones, not that big of a deal for right now. But the best sure. by far is the guy from Lost, Harold Perrineau. Boyd, uh, want to give his backstory? Well, well, Boyd uh, shows up in this town, and it's a really, it's a really tricky thing to remember how long certain characters have been there. Uh, it, What's it seems the like some people have only been heard? there. Victor is the longest, right. I think. Okay, but Boyd and his son and his wife came, and and this doesn't seem like too much time has passed uh, because his son, who is uh, Ellis. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like he has aged much. But right. Boyd shows up with his wife. His wife was very vulnerable to whatever this town was, was was happening here because it wasn't the monsters that killed her. Something had poisoned her brain, and right. she went on a shooting rampage. And Boyd has to protect his son, Ellis, and, and make the ultimate sacrifice and uh, and and kill his own wife. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty impactful. We don't get this flashback episode until episode eight of the first season where we learn, you know, Abby loses it. And we don't know if she was seeing things. I'm assuming maybe the monsters got to her in a way that, 
you know, did yeah. men- mess with that. But, you know, the mental health stuff going on there is legitimately as scary as the vampire stuff because she does crack up stuck in this town, not knowing what's going on. And, of course, Boyd had been deemed the sheriff uh, and he was working overtime, kind of neglecting her. So there's always this guilt uh, that he was the reason that she kind of lost it because he was so preoccupied with taking care of the whole town that he neglected right, her. Right, right. Uh, do they both have a military background? As I, I believe the wife I'm not did. sure about that. She Abby did too? Did. Okay. It would make way, sense uh, what a good shot she was. My goodness. I was going to say, the way they were both handling those guns, I think that they were like a military family. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of other things that um, and I had watched season one uh, either earlier this year or the end of last year. So there's some small details that I'm missing, but there are certain songs that pop up in the diner's radio as well. That kind of is like uh, this kind of feels like a weird lost thing with like a radio. But um, isn't there a specific song that comes on and he's like that was like our song like to hate he and his wife so the town is messing with them it's like they're not gonna yes. let you forget about your loved ones or what you've had to do to survive and we're gonna play songs that are gonna remind you of the, that person all the time and um i think boyd is is i mean if not my favorite character he's one of the best characters because he is the glue of the show absolutely he's keeping he is like your Rick in The Walking Dead. And when Rick goes, so if we ever lose Boyd, this show is going to have a tough time maintaining um, fan fandom. You I know? completely agree because I, other than Donna, who's the head of um, Community House. Colony House, she's yeah. amazing too. She like she's, is, great. she's up there with great her now in terms of uh, just urgency and presence oh, on, on screen in the way that she just like, does so much with with you know it, it is an ensemble cast as a whole she doesn't have half the mm-hmm. scenes that harold does but every scene she's in i'm glued to it because she's so badass and unpredictable yeah. too uh let's talk about the main family though um, the matthews that we pretty much follow going into this cursed town in the first episode the matthews our nuclear yeah, family the, if you will yeah yeah the matthews they um they have their their issues, right? I, I believe that the husband and wife they were they were considering divorce. I believe they lost a child. Yes, they have a daughter and a young son. And something we forgot to mention here is one of my my favorite things that connects everybody is that before you make this turn and you go into this town, there is a tree that's blocking the road. Right, and it's crazy to me that everyone sees the same tree. You you hit that tree and you you can't go down that road. They they show up in their and they're, they're in the RV right, and are they moving across country? I forget their story, uh, but we know that the the family is definitely kind of drifting apart. Yes, and this town is almost the best thing that happens to them because it really kind of pulls them all together. That again. is very true. You know what? I know it's made clear, which I found really interesting. The Jim, the father's job, he's a amusement a roller... park uh, ride <laughs> designer engineer. Yeah, he's an engineer. Um, which calls back because we are talking. We you did mention how the town is messing with them in a weird way. Yeah. Like there is this puppet master of sorts. Mm-hmm. Of course, you remember Jeffrey Rush in House on Haunted Hill was oh, yeah. also a ride designer. I mean, uh, you're right. <laughs> so for me, it's like potentially a House on Haunted Hill with a town. 
right. town right. on haunted earth. So I don't know. There you um, go. But I, I like think that. that's a really interesting, rarely used job, you know, because there's not yeah. a lot of those folks in oh, the world. It's such a specific type of engineer. And he has this really funny, funny dynamic with this other character, Jade, who um, when you first meet Jade, oh, God. Uh, he's a piece of crap, but he's he is always a piece of crap. On you. <laughs> He, he kind of, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I think his I personality. I haven't. He hasn't grown on I, me yet. Yeah. I just think his personality <laughs> is kind of needed. You need like this jaded person, but who tries to cut through all the, the bullshit and just tries to figure out what's really going on. Because a lot of the people here have just really settled Accepted in, like I it. mentioned earlier. Yes. Okay. And yeah. Jade is also, uh, um, I'm not going to say that Jim is a genius, but an engineer level brain. Right. Jade had built a company and just sold it, which right. is really funny because he like he had just sold it and he was out celebrating. They yeah. The car mm-hmm. crash ends up at this town. No way of spending this this money now. It's It's a purgatory, you know? It's like... Uh, I think the question was posed early on in the series, but by, by um, Father Katri, uh, you know, are they all dead? And and he, you know, kind right. of pushes you to to think that they're that they're not. But, I don't think they're dead. I'm not with that. I'm not. No, on board I don't with either. That. I don't either. I also, you know, like the 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 craziest thing about the show is that you really hope you don't know because right. as soon as it becomes clear what's happening, it's, it's going dead. to you know the the curtain's gone. Yes, uh, which pulls I, back I, to the Lost. Lost, when we get to that correct. final season and we get answers, it's one, A2, holy, you know, and right. the mystery is what keeps you in this. Um, and you're right, Jade is Jade and Jim to a lesser degree because Jade and Jim do end up working together to try and put together this yeah, radio tower. Radio. Um, right. Yes, I, I just was, he's an annoying character uh, at the start. <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, I, I have found him to continue to be annoying in the second season, and I can't wait to That's talk to fair. you in part two about Jade's potential future. Um, Great. So, yes, it is important to note that there was the car crash um, with Jade, and I think Toby was the kid's name, brought to the hospital. He was greatly wounded. And now let's talk about Sarah. Sarah yes, I was is... just going to say, before we wrap this episode up, we've got to <clears throat> cover this pivotal character who... Uh, at the start of the show is kind of beloved by everybody. She's there. She's helping out in the diner. She's seems like this all American girl who's just wants to, to help. She's the girl you would go to get to babysit your own kids. Right. But she's hearing these voices and I'm thinking it might be the same voices that had haunted Abby potentially, but Abby couldn't accept it and right. like just started killing people well she did maybe accept so, it and you know was killing as sarah was told to kill uh, but but sarah sarah does you know she does everybody wrong and and lets the monsters into the the hospital and um we're one of our other main characters kenny's father who is suffering from dementia uh, or is it Alzheimer's? Right. that that um has to live there because he needs to be to, to be watched because yeah. you know he gets confused but basically uh, let's evil in and you know kind of destroys the community in a way because you're losing a lot of um, respect and trust that everyone was that's what everything was built on yeah but Sarah is an interesting character for sure very interesting kills her own brother she accidentally kills her own brother that is important to know while she was trying to kill Ethan you know the the son of uh, right Jim and Tabby the, 
cutest uh, little boy. The cutest little boy. For a while there, there is this really <laughs> mysterious boy in white in the forest too. Yeah, that they look like the same character for me for a while, but they're not. They're two yeah, different little yeah, white boys yeah. that look a lot Almost alike, like a, but aren't. Yeah, a mirrored image, you know, like um. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. I do want to say about Sarah, though, I think her relationship with her brother is super creepy. I got really super it, incestuous it, vibes got going on from them. And do we have any sense of when they got trapped, the circumstances of theirs? Because in the way that we see all these archetypes in the monster vampires uh, that come out at night, she's a waitress archetype. Is it possible they can be normal uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering if maybe she is connected old timey style. Right. Uh, right. Because her brother seems kind of old timey too. I'm just, I'm they just wondering did. based on the archetypal stuff. And she's so archetypally a waitress granted. Everyone else kind of has archetypal features as well. Uh, yeah. Just, she's such a huge part of what happens with all the plot lines she's connected to as you noted kenny responsible for killing uh his dad by letting them in also um she and christy who's somebody we haven't mentioned she's the medic of the town who yeah. has a pseudo relationship not really she, she she and kenny the younger cop you know are really close but she has a fiance who uh i'm like why does this matter and then you find out in season two why it matters <laughs> It ends up mattering. Yeah, so she's but, tied to everybody um, in a way that I find very interesting for the show when it comes to these character dynamics. And something that bothers me a little bit about the writing is the way it seems like they're taking each character and making sure each of them have an interaction with the uh, another character. There's not sure. a lot of overlapping interaction. It's like, okay, Ethan's going to have his time with Victor, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about in a second. Then Victor's going to have his time with... Oh, with Tabby, with Boyd. They each have their own, like, yeah. I, it's like this yeah. weird overlapping <laughs> yeah. structural, yeah, okay, I want to see the dynamics between everybody, but I don't because that's not realistic to me at all. Um, right. That everyone be talking equally to each other, you know? Yeah, uh, and one of the weirdest combinations is Victor and, and, and Ethan, you know, the little boy and, and Victor who essentially is an adult little boy, Um yeah, and then they question it though. They're like, "Stay away from my kid," type of a thing. But you're right; it, it does feel almost like a lot of shows do this now. It's like they pair people up and they go off. It's the Game of Thrones thing, you know. Like everybody had a partner and they'd go off on their own little journey. Yeah, I, I lost you. did that too. So, yeah, um, that is a good point. Well, you're right. Uh, I think we do got to start wrapping this one up. That's why I want to just talk a little bit more about the major devices and plots that do happen in the season one before we do move on. Because as yeah. noted, Victor is has been there his entire life, it would seem. Um, he We learn what happens to him in season two. But he brings up these weird things about, like, it seems like the tree line has moved. Or, yeah. And then it's later brought up like the leaves are changing for the first time, even though it seems that Harold Perrineau has been there for years. Um, and of course, just like the, the writing on the wall stuff, the the the, the opening in the tree is, is yeah. very important. You've got these portals ultimately uh, that are. Is it that only that one tree or is there mul there's multiple trees? No, he alludes to the fact that it's it's um, there are, are, are I'm going to say many. And yeah. they're just in different places. But it doesn't have to just be a tree. There are other... We find out that, like, the cellar, right. like that storm <laughs> cellar, is another portal. Or maybe it's just, like, a place that you end up. 
But yeah, it seems like he is very well informed and it could be because he's been there the longest, but it also feels like someone's providing this information. Or is it just visions in his head? Because it's another thing. He's got all these drawings that it's almost like documenting everything that's happening. It's it's very interesting. It is. And, and it, it maybe uh, opens the door to too many questions, not enough focus, I guess, is my biggest concern with it, season one. I think they start to get a little bit better with season two, which we'll talk about in the next step. Um, yeah. But you're, you're right. It does. It has a lot going for it. Um, there is fluff, though. There's a lot of fluff. And another issue I have is there's a lot of characters telling other characters what just happened to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's like, why? I mean, a little spoon fed. Yeah. It's just a little redundant in, in that sense. Um, but when it's good, it's great. And mm -hmm. when it's bad, it's just a little soapy and boring. Well, let me ask you this. Well, how would you classify this show and what genre would you put it in? A horror thriller, mystery horror thriller. I think that okay. triad seems like, what would you say? It almost feels sci-fi to me as well. Sci-fi in the way that ultimately they could loop them into this town, like trap them in there without any escape. Like, what? what's the sci-fi the teleportation too. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're you've just got super quiet. Oh, okay. Uh, that better. Hopefully, I don't um, know why that yeah, would to happen. To me, it's sci-fi because it feels like there's a um, uh, like almost like a higher power, a being controlling them. Like maybe it's aliens. You know, like it's like testing people in different scenarios, and and, and I don't know. There just seems something uh, about the teleport teleportation and. I don't know, sci-fi horror for me. But sci-fi and not theological, you know what I mean? I hope it's right. more of an alien than a godlike uh, figure. That, right. that is what I'm really hoping for. And based on the fact that this character, is it Jack Bender, the one that did Lost? Uh, some, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if they go the same direction that Lost went with the God stuff, because uh, you do start to get a little more peppering of God in season two, which we will get to. Is there anything else you want to say about season one before we... Um, no, just just stay tuned. I, I think this is something you just need to give time. Yes, I agree. I definitely agree. Got to give it time, and you got to get excited for the actors and characters you don't like getting killed. Right? Got to love to hate them because you can anticipate their uh, they're not staying alive. But y'all, we do hope uh, until the next time you like, subscribe, all that jazz, all that, and of course, stay alive.